You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Well, that is what redemption is all about. And the idea of God wanting to use us, what he really wants to do is take who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter what our hurts, habits, and hang-ups are. He wants the world, and not just the world, all of his creation, to know that he is a God of love, mercy, and grace. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. We are kicking off a new series called The Royal Family. And I am joined by two friends and special guests. First, we have Pastor of Spiritual Formation, Bob Moss with us. Bob, thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. And joined by Lead Pastor Jose Avaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Good morning, good morning. Jose, we're kicking off a new series, also the Advent season. So I'll give you the first word as we dive in to this new series. There's two things that we talked about first thing yesterday. First was this Advent season. So we haven't done this before, at least not in my memory um, at church, but celebrating Advent um, really is expecting the coming of the king. So we um, chose Jeremiah uh, 23, 5 through 6 as the theme verse where Jeremiah talks about this king who's going to reign wisely and justly, and he will be called the Lord our righteousness, and how that paints the picture of Jesus who lived a perfect life. He was the only perfect one. And uh, then the second thing that we talked about was this genealogy in Matthew 1, in order to prepare for the coming of the king, um, Matthew talks about his family history. So they would be the royal family because they're the lineage of King Jesus and how his family is imperfect, which comforts me and I hope uh, comforts us as there is no such thing as a perfect family. And so that's what we'll be doing. We'll be looking at how God chooses to use imperfect people for his perfect purposes throughout this series as we look at the different, um, it was just a few um, people in this genealogy. Yeah, no, let's jump right in because this week we're talking about Jacob and the story of Jacob. And uh, Jose, the first point you mentioned was simply that, that God uses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. And there's so much we can unpack here. I think something as we've highlighted a lot of different sermon series just over the last few weeks and months, uh, I think a common thing that for some people when it comes to applying this and really uh, living this out has been, well, that's that's easy for the pastors to say, or that's easy for you know the professional Christians to say, uh, but I'm I'm not perfect. Or if only you knew what I've done. Or you know, there's all these things that all these lies that the enemy plants in us that uh, can kind of keep us from being a part of God's purposes. So Bob, I'd love to bring you into this too, as far as just both of y'all hearing your thoughts on why is it so important for us to really even just grasp that simple concept that uh, God still wants to use us for His perfect purpose, even though we're imperfect. Well, that is what redemption is all about, and. The idea of God wanting to use us, what he really wants to do is take who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter what our hurts, habits, and hangups are. He wants the world, and not just the world, all of his creation to know that he is a God of love, mercy, 
and grace. So he accepts us just wherever we are. Doesn't matter how bad we've been, what kind of a criminal record we've had, or what kind of a terrible background we've had. God loves us and he takes us right where we are, but he imparts his Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. into us. Mm -hmm. And it's really not us, it's his spirit in us that is doing the work through an imperfect vessel. Yeah, and the proof of that is, I mean, you look at this narrative with Jacob in Genesis 23. He's the grandson of Abraham. So he's top 10 uh, individuals so far in the biblical narrative. And he's a very imperfect person. He and his brother have a lot of strife. His name means uh, deceiver because he does just that. He deceives. And so you said something um, earlier, Taylor, about being professional Christians or people on staff. I mean, I know you're saying that um, to to make the point that there is no such thing as a professional Christian. There is no such thing as someone who is, uh, who has it all together or who, who is perfect in any way. Jesus is the only perfect one. And it's when we look to him, when we focus on him and we recognize what he's done for us, that's when we see how satisfying um, the work that he is doing in us and through us. So with Jacob, what stuck out to me yesterday was he had an encounter with God. And it was after a dream. It was after God spoke to him directly that he started seeing life a little differently and and started living because of that uh, experience that he had with God. And I can look back at my life and, and recognize the times when I have felt God the strongest is when I have felt most um, uh, uh, insecure in who I am in the Lord, meaning uh, uh, my weakest points, that's when God has been strongest. So it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with his, his uh, grace and love. And that's what transforms um, me and, and has changed my life and the trajectory of my life. Yeah, no, that's, that's, are you going to ask something about? No. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's really good. And again, just highlighting or just talking, speaking to the imperfect nature of us, but then also just the second part of that, the perfect purpose of God as far as fulfilling his perfect purpose. Uh, we know his purposes are perfect. And that's something that just in our head, it's like, oh yeah, God's perfect. His purposes are perfect. But but what are his purposes? Like when, you know, outside of a church and Sunday morning context, how do I know what God's purpose for my life is? So even before, you know, I may understand that, okay, God is perfect and his purposes are perfect, but how do I discern what is God's purpose for me or what is God's purpose as I live my life? Well, Romans 8, 29 really sums it up when it says that he is forming the character of Christ in us. He's making all things work together for good, but that good is that we are being more and more conformed to Christ's character as we yield ourselves and surrender to him. And so his purpose in us is to demonstrate to the world once again, to demonstrate that he is a God of love, mercy, and grace. He delights in being a forgiving God. and But he, he's put his spirit inside of us. In the, in the book of James, it says he jealously longs for the spirit that he caused to dwell in us. He, he wants communion with us. That he wants that, I think, 
more than anything, because out of that communion and fellowship that we have with him is how we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Yeah, that's that's right on. It's really heavy stuff, but also very, very practical that Jesus came on earth to make all things new, to make things new here on earth as he embodied, uh, he, he was incarnate God, um, but it didn't just he didn't just do that. He, he died on a cross. He gave himself up to death um, to prove that he is over death by raising from the dead and Amen. defeating the only thing that every single human being will encounter, which is anybody that's been born will die. And Jesus said, hey, if you live through me, if you accept me, you won't have to die. You will be able to live uh, and, and have eternal life. And so by def- by him defeating death, he's given us now and reconciled us uh, back to Amen. how he created us. So this sense of mission is now personal because he's inviting all of us to be a part of that redemption process here on earth as we glorify Jesus, as we love others, not the way that maybe they deserve to be loved. Uh, You know, we talked a lot about family members yesterday, not uh, uh, giving to someone um, uh, something that they deserve, but but extending the agape love of Jesus, uh, grace, unconditional love to somebody. um, That's what's going to change the world. Yeah, I love that he not only gives us a purpose, but he has promises that go along with that. And that's kind of similar to the second point here, Jose, that we find based of, out of what's happening with Jacob and Esau through Genesis 27 and 28, just this concept that God fulfills his promises in his perfect timing. And so again, we'd love to just highlight this because I know for me, someone who struggles with waiting and waiting on God, waiting on others. And so what is so key or maybe what's something to remember when it comes to waiting? Because I think all of us can think of something, whether it's even in this holiday season that we're in now, but there's always things that we're going to be waiting on or that God is wanting us to wait on him for. So how do you wait on God and fight against every part of in you that may be wanting just to like take things into your control or wanting something so immediate like we're so used to? Well, the Apostle Paul said, I know, how, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to not have very much. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in need. The secret to waiting is being content in the present moment. No matter what our life situation is, contentment is the key to patience. It's the key to perseverance. It's the key to so much in our walk with the Lord. So waiting patiently is not easy because we have hope for so many things, but so many things that we're hoping for are not the things of God. We've got our minds on things that we want in this world. Well, those things will never satisfy because once we get something that we want, that It's like it goes by the wayside, and then we want something else. But there is no, there's no wanting in contentment. In contentment, you're happy just being who you are in Christ, and that makes all the difference in the world. It does, Bob, and I'm, I'm 
thinking a lot about this tension between that contentment and then also like holy expectation of knowing that there are promises that, you know, God prom- is, is, is a God of blessing. So he wants to bless. He doesn't want to curse. Uh, there's blessing when we are in Christ. There's a lot of Old Testament stuff that has to do with um, blessing depends on our performance. Well, we don't have to worry about that because Jesus was, Jesus performed for us. And so we can have the blessing of being reconciled to God thanks to what Jesus has done for us. And so because of that, we can expect big things. And I think it's just that tension between expecting and then also being content that the results are not up to us. The timing is not going to be our timing. It's going to be God's timing. That's what faith in God is all about, that (laughs) we're hoping for something that we cannot see, but we're also not going to achieve those things by our own strength. Right. We're going to trust that God's going to come through whenever he chooses, how he chooses, with whom he chooses. I can think of so many examples where I have wanted something for someone else and have done too much uh, in my own by my own strength and have actually uh, created more obstacles for that person to come to know Jesus mm-hmm. or to get over this or, or, or that as, as someone that wants means well for them and wants the best for them. God's timing is, is better, trusting that uh, it'll happen. And another key thing, I feel like this is both, again, big picture, but really simple. Holy Spirit is so good. Uh, to direct us mm-hmm. into circumstances, conversations. And so you may ask, well, how, how, how can I expect and then know when to speak, when to act? And the, the easy answer and the real answer is the Holy Spirit will tell you. We serve a personal God. Bob said it earlier. He lives inside of us. And he will tell you, hey, have a conversation with that person. Bring this up. Uh, uh, text this person. Show up at this person's house and bring them some flowers. That's how God works promptings. in our world. Promptings, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's so good. It reminds me, even as we're talking about rely, that was one of the, the lessons and weeks that we focused on the message just a few weeks ago, just this concept of relying on him. And I love the verse in Genesis 28, just verse 15 that uh, I'll read real quick that just says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. So it's just, I feel like, Jose, you, you brought up that verse and just how that perfectly captures what God is saying here as far as just that he is with us. And that does change the game because we can be content when we are with him. And then also we can be expectant that he's going to do big things because where God is, he does a lot of big stuff. So just thought I'd add that that piece right there. Amen. The third piece here is that God gives us strength for the fight through a new identity. This is kind of based on, as we continue the narrative here in Genesis 32, Jacob gets a new identity. So Jose, I'd love for you to, to start off by just kind of showing how this looks in a day-to-day as far as just remembering our identity and how that gives us strength as we go about, uh, even just in the family, in the context of family and just all yeah. that we have coming up. Yeah, I think sometimes, I know for me, I think of certain trials and I think, what did I do to deserve this. So what have I done to make uh, God, in a way, allow this thing to happen? Well, this passage changes that perspective or changes my perspective. I no longer see it as this is something that God's given me to wrestle with, but this is something that exists, a circumstance that is tense because we live in a broken world, because there is sin inside of me and others, because there's tension here that God wants to uh, be with me and wrestle alongside me. Um, and then this new identity, I mean, 
Jacob is persistent. He needs to be blessed before he he gives in and, and he receives that blessing. And, and then God gives him this new name. Um, and, and we have a new name. Um, a lot, I, I can see myself from, uh, by the way that I lived before I gave my life to Jesus. And, and I can think of a lot of names that describe uh, who I was back then, but that's not what defines me anymore. What defines me is that I am uh, a new son of the Lord Most High. I am forgiven. I am uh, uh, clean. I am, uh, um, I've been saved. I've been rescued. I'm being transformed day by day. And that's what gives me strength to wrestle with all the things that life throws our way. Amen. Bob, what would you add to that as far as just the significance of the identity and just how that plays out in our day-to-day? Well, the identity we have is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And one in, in Peter, I think it is, it says, you who are not a people are now the people of God. We are the chosen people. We are God's special possession. We are royal uh, priesthood. We are a chosen nation. I mean, he just goes on to describe who we are. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. From the very beginning, even before God created anything, he had mercy and grace in mind because he knew that the very people he created, the first two people, they were going to fall. And so he made a plan of redemption even before he created anything. He had a, he had a vision of sending his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And God had, there's nothing, nothing takes God by surprise. Mm-hmm. But he's always forgiving. And that's the lesson for us. We need to forgive other people the same way that we have been forgiven. That that is the big lesson in redemption. Yeah, I feel like that's a perfect... That's our identity. And a perfect tie-in just here to the last point here. Uh, that Jose had here, which is God's mission is reconciliation. And I Amen. feel like that is a big, yes, that exactly. is the pivotal piece. Uh, Jose, I loved, it was convicting just personally, just hearing the way in which um, you wove this in as far as in the story uh, here in Genesis 33, but just this idea of expecting that God can reconcile and will reconcile. And I think that's something that's convicting for me and just maybe for others too, that you can just get so used to years and years maybe of a strange relationships or just not like it used to be, but just fully expectant. Uh, what does that look like as far as just even navigating that with family for you personally, or just even uh, just relationships as a whole? Yeah, again, going back to doing things by my own strength, um, I have given up in, in, in some cases of thinking, I don't think reconciliation is, is possible here. And that's what this message and this passage taught me is don't give up. There's a few things that are noteworthy that I didn't share, like Esau. What happened to Esau? How did how did he change heart? He went from wanting to kill his brother, and then we don't hear anything about him. His mom says, give him space. So maybe it was this space that, that worked. So I'm trying to find keys here again to, to try to rely on. But bottom line is it, it, that it, this story is not about Esau. This story is not about Jacob. This story is about God reconciling two brothers brothers. And um, this is about God's, uh, the significance of reconciliation in God's plan um, and, and, and the centrality of it in, in the mission that we have. And so personally, it's, it's just that again, trusting that it's God's plan. So picking up um, hope when I have laid it down because I've leaned on my strength, leaned on my understanding in a relationship or in a circumstance and uh, saying, God, I'm going to believe again. I'm going to hope again. I'm, I'm going to want 
reconciliation. And then again, trusting that it's in his timing and his way, um, but believing that God can do it, I think is key. One of the notes I put just right here at the very end uh, from the Sunday message was just to see things through God's lens. That was something, Amen. Jose, that you said, both I think see things and also see people in God's lens. So Bob, what what are some maybe ways in which you've been able to experience that as far as just how you go about seeing things or people through God's lens? Well, trying to view everything from God's perspective is, uh, that's one of my goals is yeah. to, to live like that. I don't do it successfully all the time. But I thought Jose's illustration of how he and his brother had had conflict for so many years. And then all of a sudden down in South Africa, his brother is lost and he he's panicking and he's just, he's got all of these anxious moments in his heart. And then when he's reconciled with his brother, suddenly things are totally different because he's seeing it from a new perspective. Well, when we see people from a perspective of God, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, so from now on, I regard no one from a worldly point of view. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And so there was Paul. He was, he was looking at people through the eyes of Jesus. On mission. Jose, would you add anything to that? No, I think that's right on. And I, I read that passage yesterday, but it, it just now clicked the significance of, of, of that um, in terms of God's desire to see reconciliation happen in our lives. Same. I mean, I immediately can think of a few um, circumstances where I need to turn. I need to turn and believe that, that God, God can really reconcile and do amazing things. That's primary in his mind and in his heart is for us to be reconciled with him and with one another. That's why Jesus came. That's why the King came on Christmas Day. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>